Traveling the Vortex. We've joined Stephen Moffat as he travels the Vortex and arrive at episode number 367. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. How are you guys? I was cheating. <laughs> I know it was. I tweaked it. There's no joke. Maybe no. that was the joke. <laughs> oh, 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 you are so meta. I went Moffat with it. Oh, oh wait. <laughs> okay, I take it all back. That was kind of awesome. <laughs> oh, good. Keith, how are you? I'm all right. Good. You guys have a good week? Do anything fun? I finished um, Fire and Fury, the book about Trump's first year in the White House. How was it? <laughs> is, is it as bad as we suspect? No, it's not bad. It's not a bad the book. book is good. No, no, the, good. The, the White House is the White House is as bad as we suspect. Fundamentally, it's not good journalism. That's what I had kind of heard. And was a little it, worried about the book that. isn't good journalism. No, but it makes for an interesting read, and it's it's a lot of what you take away from it. And I suspect a lot of it is probably fairly accurate. But some people might look at it and realize because it's not very journalistic, how much can you really? Say yeah, this yeah. is what happened, or this is what was said, or it's worth reading. Hmm. I watched Captain America: First Avenger. It's pretty much it. Now we watched, uh, we rewatched the first two Maze Runner films, uh, hoping to get out to see the third one. We haven't yet. Some big finish news: Big Finish has announced something called the Tenth Doctor Chronicles, narrated by Jacob Dudman. So narrated by. Yes, this is in the same line as the Ninth Doctor Chronicles, which is narrated by Nicholas Briggs. So this is uh, a series of stories, which has kind of a range of actors and a narrator who also does the Doctor. Apparently, Jacob Dudman is uh, does a spot on David Tennant. Oh, really? Yeah, hmm. supposedly. I have not gone to listen to any of the trailers or anything for it. But the stories uh, included will feature... Lady Christina D'Souza, from Planet of the Dead, reprised by Michelle Ryan. It will also feature Sylvia Noble in a story, and Stadine in the same story. In the same story. In the same story. Oh, we can only hope. (laughs) (laughs) It's weird that they've gotten David Tennant to do... Tenth Doctor stories. Why would they would go this route of that's what I wasn't sure about either. It would make sense. It makes sense for the Ninth Doctor Chronicles, and I've started listening to some of them. And Nicholas Briggs is an okay, just not the best. Chris Reckleson. I just don't understand why they would do it for this when they have David Tennant, like you said. Maybe he just wasn't available, and they wanted to get more out there. Maybe. And I mean, maybe they're hoping that there will still be. Christopher Eccleston audio adventures with Christopher Eccleston and so putting out a line of 10th Doctor audios with this guy that sounds kind of like Tenet but isn't actually Tenet kind of gives them a backdoor into that without invalidating the previous 9th Doctor Chronicles line that makes sense not really no not really <laughs> Cause I, mean, t- I understand what you just said but that doesn't make any sense <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I don't know. <laughs> Big Finish does what Big Finish wants. Yeah. And normally they're, you know. They're usually pretty good. Okay. It's kind of a shame with the Ninth Doctor Chronicles that I started listening to. The second one features Rose. And it's obviously before they got Billy Piper. So she's not actually in it, which is kind of a, a, a little disappointing now listening to it. Had I listened to it then, I probably wouldn't bother me. 
Well, I think if we, we look at it from, well, they got, they've got Billy Piper and they've got, well, they're not under contract. I mean, it's they, true. they contract from, from project to project. So release to release. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it, just because you got somebody for one, doesn't mean you're going to get them for some, for another, especially if they have other. That's true. Uh, if they're availabilities, busy actors, Right. Yeah. And they, they just can't do it. So. And maybe that's what this is. Maybe that David Tennant's too busy doing other stuff and they want to have a day, uh, 10th doctor release, uh, additional 10th doctor release coming up. So. Well, that's, that, that's what I, I suspect is that they can probably only get him in the studio once every year or two, and they think, well, we could go ahead and put content out there that's still Tenth Doctor since keep, they they keep, have that. When you say when you say they have something, they do have the Tenth Doctor. They have the yeah. rights to the Tenth Doctor. They have the rights to the Ninth Doctor. Yes, they have they the, have the rights, rights to the Eleventh Doctor. Yeah, so they can do material, but they don't necessarily have the actors to play the characters. Right. So. I wonder if when they uh, when they talk to them initially, if it's something like first right of refusal, like we're going to do a tenth Doctor box set and we wanted to give you first shot at it, <laughs> and then if you say no, we've got this guy who's going to step in. We'd I rather would, have you. But. I would pre- presume that they probably asked him first, and then they said no, so they said, "Well, we have these stories ready. Let's package them differently." Yeah. <clears throat> well, there's no uh, substituting cast on this next store. Next news item. The original cast of Torchwood is returning for Big Finish's Torchwood Believe. Woo! First time in 10 years, the original cast returns. Who's in the original cast, Keith? Captain Jack Harkness, Gwen Cooper, Ianto Jones, Owen Harper, and Toshiko Sato. Wow. All the actors are returning to their roles. And they've had all of these actors do Big Finish previously, individually, in Torchwood stories. But this is the first time they're actually... Reuniting together in audio, so it'll be set sometime before mid season two. In theory, in theory, yeah. I suppose there's that. <laughs> you never know what's happening, and it, they are going to be battling Arthur Darvel. <laughs> yeah, he's going to play the bad guy. Oh, Ooh. oh, oh! I thought you meant they were like be battling the actor. Oh, <laughs> no, that Darvel. would be great. <laughs> so that's pretty exciting too, especially if you're uh, been listening to the Torchwood audios. Pretty exciting if you care about Torchwood. <laughs> so I added that caveat. And then <laughs> there's Glenn. <laughs> Both are scheduled for an April 2018 release. April. April of this year. That's it for news. Ooh. Is there any feedback? No feedback this week. Well, let's move on to our retros- retrospective. What we, what it's we kind of a funny word, a, isn't it? A moff... Uh, Moffa Spectre. What was it you were trying to... You came up with a word accidentally. Yeah, I, I can't remember what it was. I don't remember what it was. I can't remember either. Mothra Matrospective. Matrospective. <clears throat> Let's talk Matrospective. <laughs> okay. Moth Pro. No, that doesn't work either. Um, I've been thinking a lot recently about Moffat's tenure and... I've I've been on record as saying I'm kind of I'm glad I'm glad he's leaving I'm glad he's leaving, and now that it's over, there's a part of me that I'm, I'm don't get me wrong I'm I'm still glad that he's, he's gone. It's time for new blood, but I also think maybe there's a part of me that that it's not fair to kind of lump that baggage on him because he is responsible for a lot of good. He is. I mean, there's, there's, you, you, we can't just look at the the dark times that have come uh, at the I end. Think- he can almost, not fairly, but you can almost have a, a JNT look at it because JNT did a lot of good stuff, but he by the end of it, 
he was kind of looked at as negatively. Yeah. Having gone back and rewatched all the Matt Smith's run in preparation for this, since I just did Chris uh, Pierre Capaldi's run up to Christmas, I have to say I think the first half is better than the second, and that's not because it's Matt Smith. <laughs> I, I think he had better ideas of what he wanted to do in the first half. Especially that first season is so fantastic. Second season wobbles a little bit. And then we get the kind of mesh seventh season that I don't think works very well. And then he redeems himself completely by doing the 50th. And then he kind of continues on a a slightly downward track, I think. While Peter has some great stuff, I don't think he's as consistent as he could have been. That's my... Shortened. Almost exactly word for word, I would agree with that. I think six is probably a little maybe stronger than five, but... It depends. But other than that, <laughs> almost word for word, how I would how I would sum that well, up. I think for the most part, even series nine is really good stuff. All, a lot of those two-parters are... There's very few bad episodes, I think, in that entire season. Yeah. Uh, pretty much just sleep no more. The rest, I think, are very solid, and I think the two-parters work pretty well. Unfortunately, on Moffat's aspect of it, I think a lot of his two-parters, aside from the end of season five, I think most of his part twos of two-parters never deliver what he sets up for. To the, to the he sets things, the stakes up so high, and deli- once gets your expectations to a certain point and doesn't quite deliver to that level. It's the best of, best of both worlds problem. Yeah. Yeah. Or the part, really one, is. part one is like, oh, oh my God. And then part two is like, oh, they resolved it. Okay. <laughs> and sometimes his resolutions work better than others. Sometimes he just glosses over things and ignores them. <laughs> <laughs> it almost makes you wonder, was this written as a full story? Did you... Did you write the first part and go, okay, I'm done, and then go to vacation and then have to come back and go, oh, where did I leave off? i got to finish this up now, right? You would think that they But would... he's not the only one that has that. Cause some, no, some there's a lot of authors. Some other two-parters don't quite work as well either. Yeah, there's uh, a lot of authors that do that. Yeah. So his, his um, I think his tenure is marked with that. I mean, certainly there's a, there's a, there's a fresh boldness that comes in with Matt Smith. Mm-hmm. And we've talked a little bit about the fairy tale aspects of, of that run, which, in my mind, really is kind of where Moffat excels, is the kind of childlike innocence with the bedtime story uh, uh, parts of it. And then, um, as, as, he, as he's gotten older, it, it almost feels in a way like maybe he's trying to tell more adult stories. Mm-hmm. And which is especially weird because when you got to Peter Capaldi, especially when you got to Peter Capaldi, but I'm not sure that it met with the same kind of success in that format. And it's interesting because Moffat was responsible for um, was the Jekyll and Hyde or Jekyll, yeah, on the BBC, which was a very dark and, and coupling was an adult humor, yeah, and 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 both of those worked within the the format well, constraints sure, that they had. The times is fairly dark. And I think maybe, I hate to do this because I love Sherlock, but I think maybe Sherlock is part of the reason that Capaldi's tenure, we, we at the end of Matt Smith in season seven and into Capaldi, we start to see that downturn as I think his attention was maybe just divided a little too much. That he's, you know, show running two different shows. It's hard enough to do one. 
Oh, yeah. Which is why in, in the States, whenever you see a showrunner leave, and, well, I'm still executive producing, but they've, they've left. For all intents and purposes, they're dumping all their creative energy into creating the next new thing. Yeah. But um, nobody's crazy enough to try and <laughs> try, try and do multiple shows at the same time. I agree with you 100% on that, because as I thought back over it, I think I was kind of a denier because I was enjoying Sherlock so much and I still thought Doctor Who was really good. I didn't feel like it was really suffering. But when you look back over where Moffat really started putting his attention into Sherlock, I think is that's where his era dips significantly the most. Mm-hmm. And I think that while he still continued to do good things with Doctor Who, I can now look back at that and go, yeah, I wonder if maybe... He wasn't dividing his attention up with with Sherlock. If we'd have gotten some maybe some stronger stories in that season, particularly the ones that he was writing, um, it's one thing to say, you know, you give him credit for the whole thing because he's a showrunner and he's probably right. writing these outlines for these other writers and saying these are the the benchmarks that I want you to hit. And there's a particular season I can't remember was it last not last season but the season before the two parters. Well, there was the two two years ago when he was oh he pretty much on everything yeah, yeah. co wrote everything. And that makes me wonder if, if he had scripts that came in that weren't quite hitting the mark of his outline, and so he stepped in and he kind of, you know, finessed it so that it would. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, yeah, I kind of look at it, and I think now looking back, I think, yeah, you're right, Sherlock probably, that was probably the wrong decision, although we ended up getting a really phenomenal series with Sherlock, and, and rightly so that they only did, you know, three episodes a season and really just kind of focused on those episodes. At least it wasn't like a six, uh, uh, twelve or <laughs> yeah. thirteen series run, which I think would have made Doctor Who suffer even more. But and I, I think I wouldn't, I wouldn't think it as much if I didn't see a lot of Sherlock bleed over his specifically Stephen Moffat's Sherlock bleed over into his time as Doctor Who showrunner too. In the way that he wrote some stories, yes, and the way that the Doctor was portrayed is very, very similar to how he portrayed Sherlock. It's almost like he couldn't separate the two in his mind because that, there are some points where Sherlock was almost very doctory instead of being Sherlocky. Yeah. So I think I think he needed to do one or the other. The argument was made that, and I think it might have been Moffat that said it, it might have been Gatiss, but um, that the Doctor is an alien who dreams of being human, and Sherlock is a human who dreams of being alien. Yeah. Or godlike. I think it was alien. Um, and there's a certain amount of truth to that, but that's also. I I don't think you can put them on two sides of the same coin. I, you know, it's there's always been a, a certain level of Sherlockianness to the Doctor, but it's it's it varies in what kind of Sherlock he is. Yeah, but he's always even, the smartest guy in the room. Even more so when Capaldi took over the role. I think yes. that's certainly where you started seeing more of that Sherlock esque character, the mind palace, with, yeah. and yeah. yeah. And it's not the first time we've seen that, obviously. Oh, you know, no. Pertwee was... <laughs> the, the master was Moriarty. That oh, was yeah, the, yeah. Direct correlation there. Um, Tom even has the whole Victorian Sherlock outfit at one point. I mean... <laughs> and we brought back and put Matt Smith in it. That's right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's... Uh, there, there's a lot of... Uh, Thankfully, I think that kind of explains the the gap year for Sherlock too. That well, he was just too busy doing the fiftieth. Well, yeah, and he, he was smart enough to know that okay, I've got to put the the effort and the energy here. Um, and that's one of the things that you can definitely put in the win column is the fiftieth. The whole that's probably his 
peak. The, the whole opinion. celebration. I was probably the pinnacle of his career. That's my favorite thing that he's done in Doctor Who, and it still to this day is. And I agree. I think that from from that moment on, nothing could reach that bar for me personally. Maybe that's part of the issue of uh, the view of the rest of the, his run is because it can't reach that. It's a valid point. I hadn't thought of that. Um, there's uh, and obviously when 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 we're just to make it clear for everybody out there that we're not in any way, shape, or form if we're talking about you know the Capaldi stuff versus the Matt Smith stuff, we're not laying that on the feet of Capaldi. Oh no, absolutely. Or, or, or celebrating the success of Matt Smith, even we're we're I think strictly if you could even swap the actors. It would the the situation would still be the same. I think it would too. And I think... and wouldn't that be an interesting <laughs> see Peter Capaldi play. Dumb childlike innocence and Matt Smith be grumpy. <laughs> I think for me, if Matt had stayed in the role or if they'd got anybody but Capaldi, it might have been rough. It might have been even more, you know, even, yeah. but I think, and, and Moffat, I think, knew what he wanted to do with Capaldi's character and Capaldi came in and made his mark on it. And so I think that that really continued to carry the show. Um, I know I'm a Capaldi worshiper, but I, I really <laughs> well, he was, think he was great. I yeah, mean, I really think that, but but that that was the right casting. That was the right time to bring uh, a different type of Doctor in, especially since we'd had the younger Doctors mm-hmm. for so long. Uh, I know it, that was a turnoff to a lot of of casual fans, but on the flip side, I think he won enough people over too. Um, I get just as many, you know, young casual fans tell me that they absolutely love Peter Cavalli and are sad to see him leave. They were the same ones going, oh, who's this guy? I don't know if I like him. So <laughs> I think that's encouraging and, and to say a lot for him. But um, you, you wonder what, yeah, if, if the, we hadn't set the bar so high at Day of the Doctor to follow on with a year of changing the Doctor altogether, there's another hurdle you've got to get over. Is you've got a new actor coming in. You've got a new, well, luckily, you a companion carryover. Um, or, or or maybe not. <laughs> or maybe not. Or maybe not. Maybe it wasn't a good thing. I, I I'm trying to say. Yeah. I I, it, <laughs> I think the best thing Moffat. What well, wasn't a good thing? Having Clara carry over. I'm well, not a Clara hater. I didn't say it was a good thing. I just was saying it was. It well, said, yeah, luck, luckily there was a companion carryover, and sometimes that's a. Well, I see. I see. Yeah. yeah. Obviously, Sarah, it, it Sarah, Sarah Jane eased the transition from 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 Pertwee to to Tom. Very much so. Um, oh, and I think most of the time the companion eases a transition when they carry over. It's most of the time there is one. It's very rare that there's not. I don't know that Perry eased the transition much. <laughs> <laughs> well, nothing could have eased that transition. <laughs> I, I I don't know that Mel eased the transition much. So there there are times when it works and time well, Rose eased the transition for sure. There are times when it works and then there are times when it doesn't and. Yeah. I, you know, in retrospect, I, I don't know about Claire. Now, I, I, I still I still think, I, I still go back to Claire was just one season too long. I think if she'd about out at last Christmas, I think it would have worked much better for her yeah. character and for, much better for the show. I think so, too. I think one of the best things that Moffat so did. So many Clara haters. 
I'm not a Clara hater. There's so just, many Clara haters. Jenna Coleman's lovely. She's a, she's a, a wonderful actress, and she did great things with that role. I, That's my wife said we were talking about. Clips almost her words exactly. <laughs> she said she, except for beautiful lady, she says she's not bad to look at. <laughs> okay, she's a good actor, and she did wonderful with the role. She, That's she, it. Those she were did, the three she, things she did. She, she did. She did wonderful with the role. But she, she's in the same boat with you. She's like, I just, you know, I I, I, I would gladly trade <laughs> any and all post last Christmas Clary episodes for another season with Bill or, or any other companion. If it meant I got one more season of Capaldi <laughs> and not that season with Capaldi. And, and it's, it's not a hater. It's just not, not my cup of tea on that one. But I think it's great that Moffat, especially looking back at his, looking at his companions and looking back how you don't realize it at first, but there's, the first season with Amy, Amy is the mystery because of the crack in her wall. And then we have Je- uh, Clara, who's a mystery. And it's nice that he eventually, he starts off that way and then moves out of that. Because I think in season six, Amy's not so much the mystery. And then once season the half season of Clara mystery is over, he drops it, doesn't try to put in a new mystery, and then moves on. And I think that works a little bit better in his favor. And Bill wasn't a mystery. So you think? I think it's a little better when it's the when the thrust of the of the season arc is not who, the mystery of the companion. Oh, okay, yeah, I'll give you that. Yes, because he moves away from that twice. I don't know if you can necessarily count Amy because the, the mystery is really the crack. She just happens to be the recipient of it, yeah. but. Well, no. I see where you're going because but. it affects her life so much, right? And right. In her it, life it's so much. it's it's not even the, so much the mystery; it's the com- companion is so much connected with the story arc, right? The companion is connected with story arc and with with Amy, and then he's right. He step away once we do we get, move on to the next season. We get the river. River becomes the yeah. River <laughs> is the new the new mystery companion. the new mystery companion, um, and then the same thing with Clara. Once, although I thought that carried on a little further than the. I guess once name of the doctor comes around, we once, know what. Yeah, but I, I still think there was little waivers of that as well throughout. But maybe that's because Clara. I'm not thinking that it's uh, the mystery of it. I'm thinking how the companion is so. Even in Day of the Doctor, she's she's the linchpin for the thing. She's the one that could. She basically. Yeah. I thought it the other day Clara's the reason why the Time Lords. The 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 moment doesn't happen. She's literally the reason. She she convinces. You know, number one, she convinces uh, the war doctor of why he needs to do it or where he's at. He's and so he goes back to do it, and then he convinces. And then when they come back to help him, she convinces them not to do it. Yeah, I mean that's ultimately that's what true. it comes down to. There's got to be a different way, and that's how they come up with it. So I mean, she's she's really the linchpin for that, and then that even continues on. I think for to, to easing into. Capaldi season because I mean we're talking more about plots than we are talking about Moffat no, Moffat plots. The other Moffat plots. The, the, the overall arcs are Moffat's. but but we've got that again where she's she basically is the transitional character for the Doctor because they have that you know we getting to know each other again type thing and then she's his carer and, and grounds him in into the Dalek and I mean 
yeah. and then she becomes and moving on. Yeah, well, when you get all the way to the end of her, of her death, we're still focusing on her character more than we are anything uh, because yeah. she's suddenly deciding she's you know could be the doctor too, and so she becomes very doctor like, and that gets her in trouble and gets her killed. You know, so I mean, it's that continues to me goes goes on further than just from when she picks it when she starts and I almost said the snowman, but she was in the asylum of the Daleks. <laughs> Technically, we retroactively work it so yeah i don't know i i i and i've never disliked that i've never disliked i i I always looked at that as this is something different to doctor who we've never had a companion so i mean amy arguably was but we've never had a companion so integral to the story arc as we did clara and i like that to me that was a refreshing change that was something neat i thought let's do this the we take the focus off the doctor and give the the season a little you know a little more weight from from a different perspective from another angle and i i've always thought that was good and that's one of the things that i enjoyed that moffat did was introducing the clara character having her be a mystery and then even after an unveiling what the mystery and what her purpose was to go on to have her be such an integral role in in the stories so to me i liked that and i thought that was a bold move for moffat i agree it was a bold move and i agree that i liked it i don't know that i liked that it was all the same character i i, I think with, with the idea of the impossible girl it, it would have been and you can tell that it, it obviously it came late but it, it, i think it would have been much more effective had you been able to sprinkle her throughout matt smith's era just every now and then Jenna Coleman shows up in an episode and she's in this episode and then two, a season later she's in two episodes and then a season later she's in another episode. And just the astute fans be like, why? You know, they just keep, you know, and you wouldn't necessarily think anything of it because we've always reused actresses. But then all of a sudden she shows up as this companion, becomes this mystery, and everybody goes nuts going, oh, and they drop these clues <laughs> all the way back here. That would have been a really long game, but it would have been great. Once we wrap up, and it feels a little truncated because obviously season seven is is, is cut in half. But once we wrap up the impossible girl arc, okay, what do we do with Clara now? Because she, she's, she, we're done with that. So, so now what? Well, now she has to kind of become a companion in her own right. And I'm not sure Moffat knew how to transition her to that because then the next season, she's a love interest. She's got Danny. She's you know kind of bouncing around doing this. I'm spending my time here with the Doctor. I'm spending my time here with Danny and trying to have both lives. And that's a fine arc. That's that, I'm not saying there's a problem. See, with I that. think that's calculated. But, uh, I think that's 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 where you say, okay, I've already done this with this companion. Now let's try something different. That's what he does. I I I, I wouldn't be here to pre. I I don't want to be here presupposing what Moffat should have done. Right. <laughs> I look at what he did do yeah. and say, okay, you know that worked for me. That was okay. It, See, I I liked Clara better in that instance than the mystery of the Impossible Girl. I thought she actually got to be a character. As, a, as opposed eight, to a, as a plot opposed point. To a plot point. Yeah. That's what I like better. But see, I don't feel like, for me, I don't feel the the, the, the romance parts, not that I'm a, a romance hater, I'm not what I'm saying, but the, 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 the relationship, the, the focus between her and Danny and how that was impacting her relationship with the Doctor, it was an interesting take, but I don't feel like that did her any favors. I feel oh, like no. she's still just a plot piece to be moved well, around. I think and this... then we move into the third season... And it's all about, well, now I'm going to be the Doctor because I've lost Danny. Well, okay, again, that's kind of a logical extension of that story. But I feel like, in a way, you're subverting the character that you've created and expected me to, to get to know and love. And now you're turning into something else that I'm not sure I like. 
<laughs> and it's like See, it just feels and, like maybe it should have been a different you're, character. You're making the argument for why I liked it, and here's the reason: because of all the things you said, is they continued to change and do different things with the character instead of having Sarah Jane be the same character from the time that she's introduced to the Doctor to the time that she left, which she is. And I love Sarah Jane, and I love all those stories, and I love all of that. But that's very done. Rose is the same. Dawn is the same. Martha's the same. Donna Ro- has, Ro- has great well, growth. <laughs> Ro- Donna has growth as a character, but yeah. there's it's still Donna. It's still yeah. the same thing. Yeah. She still says the same things. She's still looking for the same things. And and from the beginning, she's really the foil. I mean, she's the one that makes uh, that humanizes the Doctor through the entire thing. Whereas with Clara, you, he continued to make these bold changes and, and 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 find something for her to do. And I'm, when I say find something for her to do, constructively find. You're making it sound like he was like, "Anna, what do I do with Clara now?" Well, let's try this. That's the way you make it sound. That's the way it comes across, anyway. To me, to me, it's That's kind a, of the way it feels. It's a okay. I'm done with this Clara story. What new can I do with Clara? And to me, that's what I like. In fact, that's why I like all of Clara's run, all the way up to the very end. Now. I thought the death thing was why well, I was like everybody else going, oh, gosh, that was, you know, number one, I was glad that he did it where he did it because I think it w- kind of worked because it was structurally different. Although we all knew that she, <laughs> she wasn't dead because we knew she was going to be back at the end of the season. But um, I just I, I, I really to me, that was that was some solid construction. If you've got an actress from this point to this point. Do some different things with her. Don't make her be the same character, the same tag along, the same asking questions. Give her some relevance and importance. And when you're done with this story arc, figure something else out constructively to do with her. And I think Moffat did a good job. I thought he did the whole time. I thought he kept reinventing what he was going to do with Clara. And I think to me it worked. And I, I know you have valid points for why it didn't work for you. That's why it worked for me because he did, he did hmm. continue to find different things to do with. I him. just think well, there's a difference between you look at Joe who goes through a very, she, she's a completely, almost completely different character at the end of her run than she is when she started. And that's character growth. Sure. That's learning from the Again, experiences yeah. and doing all this stuff. That's not altering the character to fit the needs of the new narrative you've created. I don't know if he was doing it. Right. I don't but, know if he okay, was going that far. But now, now you're going to, you're just you're making the argument again. <laughs> we have, now we, you've already done that with Joe. So, oh, now we're going to do it again with Sarah Jane. Oh, now we're going to do it again with Ace. Now we're, so now you've, you've suddenly you've cookie cuttered all of the, this is how we make a character grow. We learn through all this. They become different at the end. We learn through all this. So again, they become Sure, but they're, but they're all different characters to begin with. But they are different characters, but they all exhibit with Clara you can't argue that there was no growth there. There was character growth there to her detriment. Yeah. But, but you can't always have struggle. Yay. Struggle. Yay. Struggle. Yay. Start net, 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 you know, that, that growth, you know, from a narrow journey. Yeah. Hero's journey. You can't start from the narrow point to the wide point. It's narrow point to the wide point. This time they started from the narrow point, widened it out and then went narrow again, which is different. Again, I, I think I credit Moffat with being very clever of not doing what everybody else does. Which I think is gonna, he was almost too clever. It's just it. It's going to lead me into something else that I came here prepared to talk about. Is I hear a, 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 on one hand, a lot of people say, I, I can't stand all the fan service in Doctor Who. And on the other hand, I keep hearing from people say, oh, Moffat, you know, he didn't stick to anything. He didn't really, he didn't care about fan service. He didn't, you know, he just do whatever he wanted to do with it. 
Oh. Moffat's my kind of guy now that I think about it because he did plenty of fan service without really saying exactly what you wanted to you know it to be and that's what i thought was cool is he always challenged my idea of fan service by by throwing things in there that weren't quite how i had you know head them, but gone okay we'll just twist that a bit you know with, with the age and with the the folding of time uh for introducing the mondasian cybermen on a ship that weren't even the actual mondasian cybermen uh zygons you know i mean he completely re reconstructed the zygons and how i felt about them and who they were he did a lot of things he made you sympathize for exactly he did a lot of things with with stuff from classic doctor who that a lot of people went oh wow he's he's doing this it's that's 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 totally a nod to me and then he would twist it and change it a little bit so that it wasn't quite what i expected that was going to happen and I had about three other examples, and now I can't think of what they were. He would truly modernize all of these things. Yes, yes, yes. Even the Daleks, to a point, yeah. The Daleks were probably the failed attempt to modernize. Well, but we loved what he did with Davros. We did. Yeah. We we, oh, we yeah. really loved well, with what he did with Davros. The Asylum was a nice new modernization that we hadn't seen before. He he just mostly left the, uh, the Daleks on the back burner through yeah. his run. That's the difference. I mean, his his biggest failure was, and it wasn't even him. It was Gaddis's fault. Was the the uh, victory of the Daleks that you know the Skittle Daleks the Skittle was really Daleks, his biggest yeah. failure. But he went back. He was smart enough to go back and go okay. That didn't work. What can we do with the Daleks next? And as you say, Asylum really kind of, I thought, did a much better job with the yeah. with the Daleks. And then the Davril storyline at the beginning of the, not this last season, but the season before. So, One last thing on Clara. See, I see, I see what you're saying. And I think he had, I don't know if he had this from the, the get-go, but looking back at it now, he, it's an exploration of the addiction that the doctor can create from the almost from the get-go and her fighting against it and that's part of what Danny is it's a subplot of trying to ground her and make her question okay where do i belong and it's losing Danny that lets her go off the deep end and so to some extent he does okay. different things that's well said but overall he doesn't because it's all one big long addiction line well but he, he he approaches it different per season. He throws the element of rehab in that that, yes. that most companions don't get. Yeah, and so again, that was it's, a it's, thing. It's to different, do. but it's but different. also he he the he tackles with the the end of 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 Clara's story. He tackles the um, which it, it's been done before, but he he tackles the consequences of the addiction. Mm-hmm. And so again, yeah. he was bold enough to do that. And, and I, I, your analogy is terrific because that's exactly what it was. It was it was starting a drug, getting addicted, going through rehab, and then having a relapse, but then having consequence this time. And mm-hmm. so I think that that again, yeah. that's why I think it's crafted so well, and I like it. That fixes I, it a and lot I don't, for me, believe it or not. I don't think he sat down and had an entire Clara storyline mapped out. I think it came as he went. I mean, I, I'm sure the mystery, you know, impossible that, that girl part, yeah. story was was crafted, but it, he did sit down each time and go, "What can we do now?" So, he, yeah, I, I think after series eight, and he saw where he left the character. I think that's when he kind of saw the opportunity for the addiction storyline, and then you retcon it through at least season eight, if not into season seven. Yeah. 
That actually fixes it a lot for me. She still kind of stays longer than I think she needs to. <laughs> I, I say that, but I, I, I like the additional well, storyline. It just feels a little too long. I think the thing is that... But you need it to be long, too, so I'm so torn about the entire situation. Yeah. She's there for a long time, and there's there are some stories in there that aren't as strong as others. And so I can see where, to me, that's the only place where I can look and say, well, okay, maybe it felt like she stayed too long... Because there were some stories I think we were soured on, and and maybe and if so, she hadn't had false goodbyes, like two well, false goodbyes, yeah, that does. I, I agree with that. I that agree would with be. That. I think that's because we said goodbye to her three times throughout her entire run. I, I technically concur, four I if you count the going into the timeline. Which well, I, I, really I knew don't. that wasn't over. Besides, <laughs> he pulls her out at the end. Right, so. it's, it's the same episode. Yeah. But yeah, so I think that's that's what sours me on her is the three goodbyes. Two before the final goodbye, and that, the final goodbye I still don't like. But. Unlike Rory, actually, we did have four goodbyes because we got another one at the end of this season. Oh, that's true. <laughs> yeah, but that's just like Amelia. I mean. <laughs> yeah, true. Unlike Rory, who we never said goodbye to. He was <laughs> yeah. just, he was just a shining constant of the Moffat universe. He was always there, never in any danger. It's not like he got killed. Again and again and well, again. He didn't get to say goodbye because he got zapped too quickly back into the past. He died all the time, but <laughs> we didn't get to say goodbye to him. I think, though, arguably, Amy was the doctor's companion, and Rory was just was Amy's companion. Oh yeah, <laughs> really. Yeah, that's why you, if you look back at it, so realistically, that's the, that's why he was Mister Pond. Yeah, yeah. And his dad was. Also a pond. Totally. <laughs> no, but that, that that in a way kind of perfectly encapsulates the Moffat potential. That he would start off really strong with an idea and then kind of peter out a little bit once he got to the resolution of it. Because I think we all enjoyed Amy's story arc. And I think we all enjoyed Rory immensely. And I think we all were a little... So you just can't go to that year anymore? You can't go to New York in that year anymore? They can't get in the car and drive somewhere else? It just became kind of a, I'm saying goodbye to them, but the the, 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 the nature of the goodbye was a little lackluster. I feel the same way about Clara. So she's dead, but not, been living in this one moment of a heartbeat between the, the, the hey, okay. Well, so as you guys pointed out when we were talking a couple of weeks ago, before well it's been a couple of months ago that that he doesn't know how to say he doesn't know how to let a companion go mm-hmm. and so that's uh, very obvious through his entire run oh yeah. uh, by putting companions in situations Stracks. where he doesn't he doesn't have to admit that they're gone or they're dead he he is like the doctor he hates goodbyes yeah which i'm you know i'm right there with him i'm fine with that here's an idea don't kill him off to begin with <laughs> You, yeah, you br- got to have a goodbye somehow. You, you want to bring Strax back, you you yeah. know, don't kill him. <laughs> That's how you bring it back. I think, Although, I, I think they could have left it with the way they left S- Series 6 with Amy and Rory, where they're living their life and he's ha- they're happy, and maybe the Doctor would drop back in until he regenerated, and then that's no longer the first face he saw, and then he would be off doing his own thing, they would never see him again. I don't think they needed the tragic goodbye. 
It didn't have that impact, though. It didn't have that punch. That's true. And that's what they, Moffat specifically is looking for. But you can credit RTD for that as well. Oh, I yeah, mean, absolutely. He was looking for the punch. And it's almost expected at yeah. this point. Um, I think my only... My my biggest complaint about Moffat's run would be this last season, and and I didn't not I didn't not enjoy this last season, and I'm not certainly not as down on it as a lot of people are, because I think there are some really good stories in there, and the ones that are really good stories are the ones that weren't written by Stephen Moffat, <laughs> which is interesting because a lot of times I look forward to the Moffat stories because I I typically yeah. like them better than anything else, but it was this year it was starting with. Uh, the return of Dr. Mysterio. That was such a big letdown for me. Um, and then uh, the three-part middle of the season there the with Extremis, Pyramid at the End of the World, and... The Lie of the Land. Uh, what was the other one? The Lie of the Land, yeah. It it just... The, that was... To me, that was like such a hole for him. Such a... De- and now... To the ones fair, that I write all of them. Right. Well, he wrote uh, Pyramid... With uh, Peter Harness, he did not right. write um, uh, Extremis, right? No, he did wrote. He wrote Extremis. He did not write. Lie he of the did land. not write Lie of the Land. Yeah, but that was a that was a marked. He it was, took it a direction. Yeah. So yeah, um, but it, that was such a downturn for me in in that series, and that's it's always because I thought the pilot was great. That's I loved the, the pilot, really and I loved uh, the uh, the World Enough in Time and the Doctor Falls, and I love Twice Upon a Time. So there's these, you know, peaks in that, but there's such a valley in the middle there that I think that's what hurt his season for me. But I look back at it and I have to be a little forgiving because I really think that his heart wasn't in it. I think he really wanted to be out last year yeah. or the the, mm-hmm. the previous season. I think he wanted to be done. And I think he the BBC convinced him to, to take it for another year. And so I think that maybe that's why it suffered. But there are other good stories in that season that were written by other <laughs> oh, yeah. people. So, I mean, it, 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 they carried that season, I think, and it probably could have been worse if Moffat had written more, but <laughs> I think some of the great things that Moffat has done has introduced some great new monsters. I mean, the, the weeping angels that he continued kind of are up and down, but I think the silence for the most part was phenomenal throughout the run. Um, for me, those kind of go back into the, you know, great start, great potential, kind of a lackluster resolution. See, I kind of like that they're confession I, 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 priests. That you forget what you confess, that way, and you just feel better afterwards. Makes sense to me. Yeah. but Now, the order of the silence has issues. Yeah. <laughs> That's the issue, there not you go. the actual <laughs> scream monsters. Moffat actually said uh, in an interview just... Uh, just recently that he kind of wishes he'd done more with the silence hmm. that he feels like that was of his creations. That was the one thing that he had kind of dropped the ball on. Um, and then he also admitted that he would have liked to have done the autons. He said, I really liked the autons. I don't know why I didn't do an auton story. Hmm. Well, he did. Pandora opens. Yeah. Well, a real auton. He didn't story. really focus it around. <laughs> no. But that was a new, a new way that, to that's modernize an, them, Auton. That's as much an Auton story as it is a Santaran story. <laughs> yeah. oh, or, there's or more Cyberman no, story. There's more Autons there's there. There's more Autons in it than there are anything else. I mean, the entire Roman army was Autons. Yeah. It's as much a river story as it is an Auton story. I'll give you that, because they have about equal screen time. Another thing that 
I liked about Moffat, there was times that I was kind of screaming that I didn't, <laughs> was River. I think yeah. that was that was a clever device. He planted that seed in RTD's era. I thought he did a neat thing with it. I don't know that it was constructively done perfectly, but I think it was done well and it was fun, uh, especially in that second season, Matt's second season, where we had that whole story arc of, mm-hmm. of her and, and leading up to the end. Um, I always had a bit of a problem with Name of the Doctor bringing her back because of where we left it, where where she should have been, and that would have mm-hmm. been in, already in the library and on the mainframe. But somehow that now looking back works so well for me, especially now that we've gotten the the closure with A Husband's River Song. So uh, that's one of the things I now look back fondly on and think, you know what, I think River was a neat idea. It was another one of those things that he he sat down and he wanted to toy with it and figure out what he could do. And, and he kind of deconstructed things and he reconstructed things in such a way that I thought that was really good and clever. And that fun. might be a fun so, one to do sometime as we'll just go back and watch all the River Song episodes in order. In, in, in her chronological in her, order. In her chronological order and see if it still holds up. <laughs> well, then you're going to have an MCU issue again. Yeah, I know. You're going to have to watch the last few minutes of Impossible Astronaut Day of the Moon. and. <laughs> He's got a point. <laughs> All right, we'll just watch him in release order. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, we've done that. There's a video actually that there is one narrated it's by out Alex of date now, but yeah, yeah. I don't think it includes husbands. It doesn't have husbands. Yeah, and husbands is you need it. Oh yeah, <laughs> I was I was so skeptical. Uh, we're done with River. Just leave it be. You know, like you said, it was it was a grand experiment. It mostly worked. Just just, but husbands really kind of came along and went. Oh, I needed this. Yeah. I didn't know how much I needed this. Well, and they give her three on-screen doctors, too, mm-hmm. from beginning to end. I thought that was cool. Which is another thing I think is kind of appropriate, that she had one story with 10, most of her story arc with 11, and one story with 12. That yeah. was kind of a neat little you know, footprint on it as well, a bookend. And it adds such a nice... Uh new weight to the line that she has in that uh in the tenth doctor's story of showed up with a new suit and a haircut literally i mean it's a different completely different doctor than she was expecting right? yeah right so much more weight to the whole scene it also i think very sweetly plays into the eleventh doctor's inability to conclude that relationship oh yeah the look that you know when, when she says oh we're you know where are you at oh we're going to go do this and you know that's the last date before the thing and matt smith has this look where he just kind of yeah i could totally buy that he never actually got around to actually doing the thing at the end oh yeah <laughs> that he just 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 couldn't bring himself to do it I'll leave that to the next guy. <laughs> well, interestingly enough, though, it's it's accidental that uh, yeah that 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 which I think works even better for the storyline so because I agree. I don't think uh, the eleventh Doctor would have ever purposefully got to that point, and so to have it be twelve and have it be completely accidental and have some quite a bit of time, you know, pass between works because mm-hmm. there's not you don't have to worry about that. Uh, I'm I'm not going to do this because I know where this is going to end up. You accidentally drop it in there, and then it becomes situational, and it's like, okay, well, that makes <laughs> don't sense. Really have much you don't have a now. choice. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. And Moffat's also responsible for uh, uh, tying the number of uh, multi-doctor stories. Yeah. We, we had just as many multi-doctor stories during his tenure as we did in the entire run <laughs> of the show, if you count Time Crash. Which, of course, you have to count Time Crash. But that's not under his tenure. He wrote it. Well, he wrote it. But he wasn't showrunner. So does it count as his tenure? No. No. So he's only had one. Two. Two. What was the other one? Time of the... Or, uh, not Time of the Doctor. Twice Upon a Time. Oh, Twice Upon a Time. Well, Name of the Doctor. Yeah, that's true. Name of the Doctor. <laughs> okay, so four if you count the one that he wrote. <laughs> that's what I thought you were counting. I was always asking, well, wait a minute, what are we, what are we not counting? He, he's written more episodes with multiple Doctors than have yeah. been in existence. Yes, he has. Okay. <laughs> well, for that matter, Deep Breath was, a, multi, was a multi-Doctor story. It's true. Were there two doctors in an episode? Not together. Yeah, well, they were in an episode, though. (laughs) It's a stretch, but I'll allow it. (laughs) It's a stretch, but I'll allow it. Multi-doctor story. Overall, though, I I, I think I'll miss Moffat, but I'm with you in the fact that I think I'm ready for some new blood, especially with a new doctor, new companion, maybe companions coming on. Um, I think that it, it'll be nice to have a fresh start and see what you know we can do from here and have some new ideas, especially if they go to a writer's room mentality where it's a lot of people working on one thing. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you can get some better ideas if you've got a lot of people you know, weeding out the bad and bringing it down to the good. I suppose we should also talk a little bit about what he's done to allow us, to get us to a point where we can have Jodie Whittaker as a doctor. Some could say he hasn't, he didn't do enough. That it should have happened when Matt Smith left. But I don't know if the general public would have been okay with it as much. That they needed. No, 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 no. The hardcore fans. There you go. That's what I meant. The hardcore fans wouldn't have been okay with it as much. That they needed the groundwork laid with Missy, and obviously we had the Corsair mention. Right. I think that was the start of it. I I think think it was too. That was you know putting planting the seed. And then cultivating it with Misty, Misty, Missy. Ultimately, uh, he always this. talked about how he wanted to do have Peter Capaldi be the Doctor initially, and Matt Smith just wowed him. And so there wasn't even any auditions. It was Peter Capaldi for season two. Right. I, part of me wonders if he would have tried to go for a female Doctor had, had he done Capaldi first. Yeah. 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 Could be. That's an interesting uh, aspect. I think I. With, with as much as he did to move that forward, I can't imagine he wouldn't have. But at the same time, he obviously didn't. He obviously went with Capaldi. So to play devil's advocate, saying. and I, I, we, I, I don't subscribe to this, but there is that chunk of fandom that believes that Moffat is not capable of writing a good woman character. It's true that he's had issues with that. it throughout the run. Um, and even if you go back and you know, looking at the groundwork that he laid to set up the idea of a female doctor. And and we've kind of always championed, well, you know, he's the first guy that did it if you go back and count Curse of the Fatal Death. He, mm-hmm. he already envisioned this. He's already we done it. We don't count it. But well, I mean, but... If you acknowledge it. If you acknowledge it, that, uh, you know, one of his. And yet, it is a joke the one time that he did it. So if you couple that with the idea of he's not able to write good female characters... 
does it then follow that he wouldn't have been able to write good stories for a female doctor? I don't know. I don't, like I said, I don't know that I put a lot of faith in that. I'm sure somebody out there is going to go, oh, yeah, it's totally, it wouldn't have worked. But. Well, it depends on if you, I guess it depends on what, we need to see how Chris Chibnall is going to write for Jodie Whittaker. I mean, if you go by what Stephen Moffat has said in the past, of you write for the doctor, it doesn't matter who the actor is. You just write for the doctor. I don't think it would matter. But if he's not true in that statement, that you do have to tailor it to the actor you're writing for, or for the gender of the character, I don't think it, it, it kind of, it's more of a wait and see type situation. See, I think it's a little, di- I, I think that statement in particular is disingenuous. I don't think that you can just say you write the doctor. Because of, not necessarily the actor, but because of the different personalities, portrayals, uh, character ticks, and everything that's been brought to the screen by the previous doctors. And when you're setting out to craft a new doctor, when he set out to craft 12, he knew that 12 was not going to act the way that 11 did. He right. wasn't going to have the childlike innocence. He wasn't going to have the... You've you got know, to write him grumpy. The goofiness. He, he wanted to go with an older, grumpy doctor. So you've already tailored that to, I'm, I'm not writing the doctor as the doctor. And, and, and that's... Uh, that's another fault almost with the Capaldi era is that there was so much emphasis placed on we've changed him and we've made him this that he he, he felt so very far removed. And I can retro- retroactively retcon a lot of it too. It's the first of the new regeneration cycle and that, you know, he is a little more scrambled. I just, the, the, the doctor that had come all the way up through the new series to that point was never so far out of touch with his humanity as Capaldi was in that first season. That's true. And, he, and that's a wrong word, obviously, because he's not human, but, you know. I don't know, the Eighth Doctor in a uh, particular uh, story arc of uh, uh, Big Finish Audies that we just live and listened to got pretty far away from his humanity. And it was justified because it was, you know, 600 years spent after... 600 years in isolation with jellyfish after a particularly uh, dramatic saying, it, falling it, it, off the cliff. So. It's happened before. So. That's, why, that's why I can justify it as, as, as a retcon. But just just throwing that out there. I, don't know. I make it sound like I'm really down I on like the guy the, and I'm not. I, I like the reverse change because so many of the doctors go from happy to grumpy in their run. They go from the light to the dark. I like that Capaldi went from the dark to the light. Yeah. That he gained back his humanity, quote-unquote, as his time as the Doctor went on. I really like that about his portrayal. Yeah, it's definitely a different take on it. But nope, there's a lot of groundwork. And, you know, let's not... Even the fact that we have a new Doctor, we owe that to Moffat. If he hadn't hadn't moved the goalposts, the show would be over. Or we'd have to do a bit of hand-waving and explain why we're ignoring the rules or just everybody be well, upset that we ignored well, the rules. But, <laughs> if it were for Moffitt, but Moffitt we, we, did we some hand-waving, ignored some rules, actually bent some rules to make it happen. Anybody could have done that, though. Yes, Moffitt was clever enough to do it in the way that he did. But Jody somebody would technically be the last Doctor if it weren't for Moffitt? Yeah, 13 regenerations. 12 regenerations, 12, 12, 12 regenerations, 13, 13 faces. Yeah. But that that depends on if you count the pseudo-regeneration, as Moffat did. If you no, count the pseudo-regeneration, if it, no, 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 Moffitt, no, no. If it wasn't for Moffat, she would be the last incarnation of the if, Doctor. If he wouldn't no. have written that bit about the pseudo-regeneration, if he wouldn't have added John Hurt, 
she would be the last one. Oh, you're counting if, John Hurt in that if as well. Moffat okay. had, yeah, then yes. If Moffat had not stepped in, <laughs> had Moffat we would not got a war doctor for the, we would have never got a war doctor, and we would right. never have counted uh, handy, uh, doctor. handy doctor as as a regeneration. Nobody, nobody, nobody counted, counted that. <laughs> nobody counted that until Moffat said that was. Yeah. Okay, I see what you're saying. So, I don't think you can thank him for having a new doctor. <laughs> Well, I can thank him for being forethoughtful enough to say, you know what, I'm not going to leave this problem for the next guy. Yes, he did that. He definitely <laughs> did that. He fixed that issue. Well, that goes back into the whole fan service thing, too, because he could have easily left it for the next guy, and they would have just, like you said, hand-waved it off and not done anything with it. It would have been a uh, Russell T. Davis dropped line of yeah, whatever uh, Matt Smith says in the uh, Death of the Doctor, where... 512. Yeah, he oh, throws yeah. in the... Uh, uh, just throws in a random number, so... Yeah. <laughs> I don't mind the fan service. I don't mind I, the fan like service, service either. No, I've never... In fact, I'm glad that he does it. I, I'm a little leery. The, the only thing I'm leery about, Chibnall, is... And it, maybe it'll be good for the show. Maybe it'll be good. I don't... I, it, he he's not there to just please me as a fan. He's there to please everybody. And one of the things that I think could potentially happen is we don't get as much fan service as we've gotten from Russell T. Davis and Stephen Moffat because I knew all along that Russell T. Davis and Stephen Moffat were both fanboys. And so they wrote what they liked. I'm pretty sure Chibnall was Chibnall, too. I don't know if he comes from the old school of fanboys, oh, though. I think sure that he's I think he's a fan of Doctor Who, but was it classic Doctor Who where we'll get a lot of nods to the past? Or is it? Oh, he's been a fan of all of the new series. He, may, he might be a new who, you know, convert, and then you know he he writes from that perspective, which is okay too. But I I, I do look at it and go, well, we we probably won't see as much fan service next year. So, well, and and to be fair, as long as they're good stories, to, they to, know to slightly that's play the key. De- yeah, most important to slightly play devil's advocate. There were as much as I enjoyed the the fan service. There were times where there was fan service in detriment to the story. Oh, many times. As, as as much as I enjoy those aspects of it. Do you have examples? Because I can't think of any. Well, I think... Attack of the Cybermen. Not Moffat, but... <laughs> well, I, I was Attack thinking... of the Cybermen? Yeah. That's... Colin Baker. Oh, you're talking about over the series. No, he's, he's talking specifically about oh, Moffat. Moffat. I just threw that one out. Oh, yeah. No, I was going to say... Yeah, that, that has happened in the past, but... I, I think there I are... I think it would be Moffat episodes. I, I, I think Twice Upon a Time is... Is, is very much so drowning in fan service that it, it really doesn't do well, the story much. Uh, you've already voiced that, but Keith <laughs> didn't agree with you as much as, or as strongly. I, I, it, I think but... the plot suffers in Twice Upon a Time, and I don't know how much of that is because of fan service. Uh. Um, I think Victor of the Daleks could be considered a lot of fan service. I would agree with Victory. That's not a Moffat. Problem. That's, that's true. again a Gaddis problem, a but problem. a Gaddis problem. But I think that that ultimately, that's probably the best example because of the fact that it, if you look back at Victory of the Daleks, it was a love letter to power that would, did no longer existed, and, and yeah. that was Mark Gaddis's love letter to you know recreate that in some way, which he did. I mean, it, it's a very watered down version of power. But. And if you really look at it also with a microscope, parts of Day of the Doctor doesn't work because they drop 
huge chunks of plot to go deal with the doctor stuff, and it doesn't bother me. But you, well, some, I think I think you have to even as even a, as a modern day fan, you have to kind of excuse. I think day gets passed. This, yeah, it's the absolutely. 50th anniversary special. I mean, look at Five Doctors. That was that also <laughs> some of that suffered because of fan service as well. As much as I love it, there's not much plot in the Five uh, Doctors. <laughs> Well, and I think it's not as much classic series fan service, but Time of the Doctor has a lot of fan service that makes the plot suffer from Matt Smith's fan service. So much focus on his time as the Doctor and all of I wouldn't call that fan service. I I would call that capping off somebody's run. That 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 wouldn't be fan service. That's that's capping off a that's capping off an actor's tenure as in in a, in a role. I don't think that's necessarily fan service. I think that's a homage, basically, looking back over uh, Matt Smith's era. Hmm. So I wouldn't count that. Yes, it does make the plot suffer. <laughs> don't get me wrong, but I wouldn't count that as fan service. Dark water, death in heaven. How does the fan service? Oh, yeah, with the Brigadier stuff, probably, yeah. I could see that. Although it doesn't that doesn't make the plot suffer, I don't think. I think it might, sour it might have been... Service. It's a sour note, yeah. It might have been maybe gratuitous fan service, but it doesn't make the plot suffer. That doesn't hinge anything on the plot. Yeah. Okay, maybe. Regardless. Or irregardless. <laughs> Either way. All right. Well, what do we got coming up on the schedule, Sean? Well, coming up on the schedule, speaking of the brig and not the cyber brig, uh, we're going to take a look at Candy Jar Books, Lethbridge Stewart, Travers and Wells. Although it's not really Lethbridge Stewart, is it? Now that I think about it, I think it's just called Travers and Wells. It's from the worlds of Lethbridge Stewart. Yeah, that's right. I think it's, that's the subtitle from the world. It's from the brig verse, uh, the, the, uh, the, the, the novella uh, from Candy Jar Books by Robert Mamoni. Are you are you done? Have you read it yet? Travers and Wells. Yeah, um, about a third into it, I think. And you're you're almost done, aren't you? No, I'm only I'm not quite halfway. Oh, okay, I'm a little over halfway. Thoroughly enjoying it, but that's I'll get into that next week. I'm enjoying it too. Yeah. Um, and then the following week, uh, episode three sixty nine, we're going to take a look at some more big finish. We'll do uh, mainline number one hundred two, which is a uh, two story uh, set up the mind's eye and mission of the i believe it's pronounced virons anybody want to chime in on that one and correct no me if idea. i'm wrong uh the following week uh episode 370 we will do uh one more big finish eighth doctor adventures uh season three number four we're in dawn and titan comics 12th doctor year three issues five through seven which should finally get us all caught up on the comic front and ready to uh, tackle Lost Dimension, which is just a little further out. So there's that. Cool. Anything else we need to tackle this week before we close the show? One more reminder for everybody: if you enjoyed a, a, a if, or didn't enjoy our Moffat spec Moffatrospective. I wish I remembered what I called it. Moffat spective. Moffat spective. I like that. Okay. If you enjoyed the Moffat spective or didn't, uh, you can always leave us feedback and let us know. Keith, how do they do that? 
They can go to our website, travelingthevortex.com, and fill out the Send Us Feedback tab, or send it directly to feedback at travelingthevortex.com. Or you can, of course, reach out to us on any form of social media and let us know what other discussion topics we should uh, tackle. What he said. <laughs> I've got one, by the way, we need to add to the schedule. Oh, you do? I do. Is it Glenn is a grumpy bear? Efficient some. No, no, no. I haven't, been a, I haven't been a grumpy bear much lately. I mean, you're tired, always a grumpy bear. I've been a tired bear. bear. A tired, we're, I think we've so all been tired sleepy. bears. If that's going to do it, until next week, I'm Glenn. <laughs> I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied.